BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Okay, before we talk to Chris Lavoy, let's talk about our Amazon link for the holidays at bobseska.com. Whether you're shopping for yourself or if you're buying music by one of our excellent indie bands or if you're getting a jump on your holiday shopping without leaving your house, don't forget to use our Amazon link just beneath the logo at bobseska.com. Our special link will take you to the front page of amazon.com where you can go shopping until you're dropping. And by doing so through our link, we receive a teeny tiny commission on some of your purchases. Thanks for shopping through our Amazon Amazon link, and now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, November 20, 2019, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today was supposed to be Charles Johnson from Little Green Footballs, but he had to cancel at the last minute. These things happen. But it gave me the opportunity to finally talk with the general manager of SM Radio Productions, the founder of Banded Masculine Candles at homocandleguy.com, and of course, from the main cast of The Stephanie Miller Show. That's right, it's the great Chris Lavoie. Today, we're going to recap some of the highlights from day four of the public testimony in the impeachment of Donald Trump. So thanks to Chris for jumping on at the last minute. And if you like what you hear today, please consider supporting this show by subscribing to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. All right, without any further ado, let's talk to the great Chris Lavoie. It's great to finally have you on the show. It's been... I mean, it's, yeah, I, it's I, about- time yeah i know i know i think i first talked to you about being on the show almost two years ago i believe it was like chez's memorial i said chris i gotta get you on the show and then uh, it's uh, two years later finally <laughs> well there was there was never a time i could do it because i was always like headed to work or something in palm springs but yeah. uh, now that i'm you know back at the at the Stephanie Miller time, I can do it totally. So, have you obviously you've been following everything that's been going on today? In fact, I posted one of your uh, sort of breaking news items, which was I guess you were monitoring Fox News, and Ken Starr uh, remarked about how uh, this is a time perhaps for the Republicans to march up to the White House and ask Trump to resign. Uh, were you blown away yep. by that? I mean, what, th- that's uh, that's a pretty big deal, huh? Uh, that is, yeah, that's a huge deal um especially coming from ken Starr, who was involved in the last impeachment yeah. that we had in in the united states um now i have to give charlie pierce credit he was the one who was monitoring it and then when he came on the show he's the one who told us about it I so see. um 
Yeah, but uh, still, that, that that's such huge news, and I'm sure the, the Fox News viewership were blown away by it, too. They, I'm sure they had no idea what to think. Yeah, well, obviously, it's something that Ken Starr thinks maybe should happen, but he, he added, I think, after that, he doesn't believe it's actually going to happen. He doesn't think the Republicans actually right. have it in them to pull that sort of thing off, especially now. I mean, maybe 40 years ago, it was within the capability of the Republicans to see clearly, to accept reality as the truth and, uh, and do something like that. But now it's more a matter of, well, we just got to keep uh, circling the wagons, right? Yeah. Since the Reagan administration, you know the Republicans have, have, have protected their guy at all costs, and um, it, it's not healthy for their party. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we call out our people when it's necessary, but they they circle the wagons, man, and it, it's crazy the way they can they can do that. I mean, I was going to say, too, that I mean, you have a, a special insight, I think, in terms of uh, Republican thinking. And in fact, I, you know, I was once <laughs> I once identified as a Republican when I was in high school. And uh, and, you know, yep. I kind of do. Yeah. I mean, I, I go to that all the time. In fact, what I like to do is, I mean, more than anyone else, I like to talk to people, liberals, current liberals who were once Republicans, because I think we have an right. insight into uh, conservative thinking and, and how they might be calculating all this stuff in their in their teeny tiny little walnut brains. And so uh, <laughs> I, I always yeah. look for your insight into yeah. all of this. Well, yeah, absolutely. I was... Um I was the executive producer of the Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity uh, station in Phoenix, Arizona, which is a conservative city um, for four years from 2000 to 2004. And so I was in the belly of the beast there. I, 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 I I first produced for, you know, a morning news wheel kind of show. Then I moved over to the afternoon drive show, which Mm -hmm. started out um, as a libertarian show. Then, um, then that guy was gotten rid of and they brought in the son of G. Gordon Liddy. So, <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? Because I actually worked no, with, I, I mean, I worked with Gordon Liddy himself at WJFK in Washington while I was interning on the Don and Mike show. I used to sit in the newsroom on the other side of the glass from Liddy while he was doing his show. And uh, in fact, he had a, yeah. he had a nickname for me. He called me High Pockets, which was strange to have a Watergate conspirator calling me like, a nickname, you know. Because you were tall or something? <laughs> Yes, which is something that always translates on the radio. That's why it was originally. I think he yeah, originally called right. me. He originally called me Stretch, and then became High Pockets. And then the other unusual thing was okay. was going into the staff bathroom and and Liddy standing there at one of the urinals and thinking, "Oh, I've got to go stand next to the other urinal next to G. Gordon Liddy, who is, for yeah. all accounts, insane. I mean, he was. He's always been insane. So, well, yeah, I, I I got to meet him once. He came in and did and. Uh, did Tom Liddy show uh, once. So I got to meet him once and I think it was towards the end of his life. And so, um, you know, it, it was a little more sad than anything, but it was a, uh, it was a Thanksgiving show and, you know, it's kind of a family kind of thing. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Tom Liddy was, was a piece of work. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> he, he was a hardcore libertarian. Yeah. Um, but, but we had a, he actually got radio. He got the entertainment value of radio. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, he was actually fun to produce for, but right. I've produced for liberal shows. I produced for libertarian shows. I produced for conservative shows. And so I, I've gotten into the mindset of all of those. It's just that now I happen to be producing for a show that 
you know that aligns with my with my beliefs. Well, and you bring something special to the uh, to the table on on a lot of different fronts, but that happens to be one of them. Your insight into uh, into conservative thinking that's always valuable. So let's uh, let's dig into everything that's been going on today so far. The Gordon Sondland testimony, which is turning out to be the yep. John Dean testimony of this particular impeachment process. Um, the the thing that, that well, I was. I- actually watching CNN um, a little bit ago, and uh, they had John Dean on, and they said, this is the John Dean testimony. He's like, you know what? I testified for about eight hours, but yeah, this is the John Dean testimony. Yeah, and in fact, (laughs) it's helpful to start out with what Donald Trump himself tweeted back on October 8th, 2019, and this is, again, this is a tweet that he put out there. It's still up as far as I know. He said, I would love to send Ambassador Sondland, a really good man and great American, to testify, but unfortunately, he would be testifying before a totally compromised kangaroo court, blah, blah, blah. Republican rights have been taken away and all the rest of this counterfactual bullshit that Donald Trump pumps into the uh, the veins of the discourse on a daily basis. And in fact, right. uh, you know, obviously, now he's saying that he doesn't really know the guy and he has no idea who this guy is. The whole He was just a coffee boy. Right. And if you heard Devin Nunes today, he opened up um, his, his opening statements with, it seemed like he was assuming that <laughs> Tomlin was going to be on his side today, yes. which was yeah. And then yeah. the look on his face when Sondland actually said no, uh, everyone was in the loop and everyone was in on the quid pro quo. <laughs> you could see the blood draining from his face. He ended up looking like Jim Jordan. <laughs> Exactly right. Just like E.T. when he was dying in that creek bed. Exactly. The Jim Jordan pallor. <laughs> it's the flower. It's right. It's the Intelligence Committee tan is what uh, Jim Jordan is uh, sporting yeah. these days. Uh, but yeah, so right. Sondland hurled, I mean, he threw the entire gaggle, the entire gaggle of conspirators under the bus. Um, and you know what? Here's yeah. the thing, though. It's going to be nothing, but I want nothing. Over and over and over, which is uh, Sondland testified that uh, I believe it was the call that was during the text messages with Bill Taylor in which he said that Donald Trump said, I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. And so now Donald Trump is using that. In fact, he had to take notes in his, you know, Sharpie scribble uh, to repeat all of this. during his Sharpie scribble. (laughs) That's exactly. I'm surprised he didn't use big pieces of poster board so he could read it. Schiff just said in in um, the hearings that uh, you know just because Trump didn't say you know I want no you know, just because Trump said I want no quid pro quo doesn't mean that there isn't evidence of quid pro quo. Right. That's what we're getting at here, and so that's the tact that. The Democrats are saying, and I think that's smart. And in fact, what happened was there was an exchange here between Adam Schiff and Gordon Sondland early on where Schiff said, you testified that that meeting was conditioned as a quid pro quo for the two investigations the president wanted. Is that right? Sondland says, correct. Then Schiff says, and that everybody knew it. And then Sondland said, Correct. So to me, that's the counterpunch to the I want nothing argument, isn't it? Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, yeah, that, that's the uh, shift has been absolutely smart throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's taken the, the smart tack and, and, um, 
yeah, that, I think that's that's the proper way to go with this. Yeah, and in fact, the Schiff has an Obama thing going on, and what I mean by that specifically is Adam Schiff is so centered and so even keeled that I think it drives people like Jim Jordan and Donald Trump nuts because they're looking for the Democrats to right. act like crazy people, and they're not acting like crazy people. At least Adam Schiff is, and Adam Schiff is the most centered man in Congress. <laughs> he has to be from both sides. There's no one. Yeah quite as uh, as together as Adam Schiff is, and it's driving them up a wall. But, I mean, for the rest of us, for the reality-based community, we're all thrilled with that, right? I mean, it's great to have someone running these uh, these proceedings who isn't giving them any uh, any wiggle room. He's not giving them anything to latch on to, and that is a, a beautiful thing. It's strategically perfect, but it's also good in terms of uh, public acceptance, right? Yeah, he is. Um, he is the opposite of shifty shift. He is not shifty. <laughs> yeah. He is he is centered. He's he's smart. Um, and I think that uh, you know that's the opposite of what we've been getting for the last three years. We've been getting right. crazy. We've been getting you know veering from from left to right to uh, to all over the road. And when I think America, who really hasn't been paying that close attention, they just know that there's a crazy man in the in the White House. <laughs> When they see Adam Schiff being so centered and so, you know, right down the middle of the road with all mm. of this, it's refreshing. And it, I think it makes America miss that kind of being in control. And I, I really hope the casual viewers, Chris, are, are looking at the Republican behavior. And specifically, I hope they see, like, yeah. when Jim Jordan was acting out, in fact, right before I called you, Jim Jordan was doing another rant uh, that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. But I, I hope they see these guys as the villains in all of this, especially based on, if not the facts of the testimony, if, if only their behavior, too. Uh, because when I see Jim Jordan, I think of... You know, I, th- I, for example, I keep going back to like Gary Oldman's character in The Contender, where he was playing that uh, chairman uh-huh. of the congressional committee interviewing uh, Joan Allen, who was up for, uh, you know, being nominated for vice president and just being uh, just a dick throughout the entire proceedings. A dick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that I see it that way. The casual observer just sees. You know, someone who's slightly louder yeah. um, than than Adam Schiff or, or any of the other people. Um, I, he's not wild and crazy. Um, you know, in in sound bites, which is how I think the average person digests this thing. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't I don't know that he's a, a classic villain like we want him to be. Um, but uh, but I think the Democrats are coming across as more even keel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's more attractive to the average person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, uh, I, 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 I wish Jim Jordan were, were more villainous than he is, but he's not. <laughs> How is that even? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Uh, Cause as far as I'm concerned, yeah. there's no, it would be almost impossible for him to be m- more insane than he already is. Uh, but yeah, you, so- uh, no, I really get that. You, you and I watch this thing from beginning until end. The average person just sees the sound bites on the news, you know, right. cause they're busy doing, doing their, you know, going to work, uh, you know, do, doing errands and, and all of that. They only see the sound bites that they play on the nightly news. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure that the sound bites that people are seeing are portraying Jim Jordan or Devin Nunes as crazy and off off the rails as, yeah. as they really are. 
Oh, right, right, right. Well, here's some key quotes that we heard throughout the uh, course of at least the first half of the testimony today. Uh, some things that I, I hope people are hearing. I hope people, this is rising to the surface and they're getting all of this. For example, at the express direction of the President of the United States. This is all Sondland. I followed the directions of the President. Okay. Based on the President's direction. These all are, are all individual quotes. The President directed us to do so. Right. And, of course, to me, what's going to be the title of uh, history textbook chapter uh, in the future, everyone was in the loop. I, th- I think that's going to be one of the yeah. key takeaway lines that we're all going to remember from this, yep. or at least I hope so. Uh, just an amazing uh, yep. turn of events here with Gordon Sondland. Meanwhile, um, I want to be clear about something that I think uh, th- there's a lot of dissembling going on with regard to this, and that is that Burisma, whenever Burisma is brought up in the context of quid pro quo, right, uh, in Trump world, mm-hmm. Burisma is always about Joe and Hunter Biden, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's like they're the only employees of Burisma <laughs> uh, to the Trump administration. But that's the code language. Yeah. That's the way. Again, this is the mafia code language, the double speak that Donald Trump is involved with. He's not a guy I, who goes into a lot of metaphorical speaking. He's not a conceptual man. So it's like, for example, when he's faced with no. uh, some new appointee or a nominee or something like that, he always wants to know, are you Trump or are you Hillary? He doesn't even think in terms of uh, Republican and Democrat. Yeah. He's just going to, are you Trump or are you Hil- Hillary in terms of defining the motives and loyalties of the person he's talking to? So when, when he talks about Burisma, he is absolutely talking. That's the code word for investigating Joe and Hunter Biden, because Donald Trump could never tell you in a million years why Burisma was being investigated by Litsenko and uh, and all the rest of them in Ukraine. And, and so obviously he's solely interested in this. Right. And, and ultimately what we're learning, Chris, is that uh, it doesn't even matter whether there were investigations. All he had to do was uh, all Zelensky had to do was just say there were investigations to give Donald Trump enough basis to be able to pound that home, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've kind of hit on something there that, that Trump is so simple, so black and white. There is absolutely yeah. no uh, nuance with him. And so, uh, you know, if, if someone even says something slightly critical about Trump, Trump goes off the rails and calls calls them a never Trumper. And mm. that is so dangerous for America and for the world. Um, and, and so, you know, good people. Well, I mean, Gordon Sondland isn't even a good person. He, he was someone who donated a million dollars to the, 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 the campaign or whatever. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and when Sondland feels like he needs to criticize Trump somewhat now, He's the enemy. And right. I, I just, uh, yeah. that, that, is, that sort of thinking is so dangerous for America. And I actually called this out during, during Trump's campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump doesn't like people who, who say anything bad about Trump. That's why anybody who went on The Apprentice had to sign a, a non-disclosure agreement and a non-criticism agreement and including now you know, i think um, i think most of his cabinet secretaries if not all of his cabinet secretaries as well as his west wing staff have all signed ndas too in the white house and and while they're not necessarily enforceable all it requires is for the signees to believe it's enforceable to think that oh well it may not be enforceable but donald trump could still try to sue me too because donald trump loves to sue everybody right and i i think 
Bolton is trying to figure out how to get out of that yeah. right now, whether right. it is enforceable. Bolton, Bolton feels the need to speak. But I'm, I'm not sure that he feels like he can at this at this second. Yeah. Well, you know, Bolton knows you can buy things yeah. with money. So I think he's looking to uh, reveal all of his cards in the context of a book rather than yeah. the normal uh, process of accountability here. And you what were you saying about Sondland? Right, and- which, does, which does not America any good at all. We'll get back to our conversation with Chris Lavoie here in just one second. But I have a confession to make in the meantime. I've tried whitening my teeth more times than I can count, but here's the problem. If I go to the dentist, it takes time out of my day. If I try those teeth whitening trays, they're sloppy, they're expensive, and they kind of burn my gums. The teeth whitening strips, they cost a fortune, and I barely notice any difference. But the holidays are coming, and that means office parties, family gatherings, cringeworthy pics of all of us smiling with our discolored, coffee-stained teeth. Yuck. But not me, not this year. I'm going to have a sparkling, pearly white smile because I'm holding my fresh box of power swabs. You never really whitened your teeth until you've whitened with power swabs. They're clinically proven to whiten an average of two shades in the first five minutes. Power swabs never leave my teeth and gums all sore and sensitive like other whitening treatments. And it's totally safe and effective on all dental work. If you're not happy, power swabs are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Hey, there's a bonus for you. You need to try power swabs, and you will not believe how much whiter your teeth will be in just five minutes. I got a great deal, so go to buypowerswabs.com, use my code SEXY for 40% off, plus an additional $10 off, and, 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 and there's more, a free quick stick. Yep, that's right, 40% off, plus $10 off, plus a free quick stick. Or you can call 1-800-668-1749, use my code SEXY, that's buypowerswabs.com, code SEXY. Visit buypowerswabs.com today. The Bob Seska Show! Again, the further context in all of today's testimony, the fact that Gordon Sondland gave Donald Trump one million dollars, and and while for some of us who don't who who aren't millionaires and billionaires, a million dollars is a lot of money. But even for someone like Gordon Sondland, a million dollars is still kind of a lot of money. It's not a huge. It's a little bit less yeah. in his perspective than it would be for the rest of us. But still, he gave a million dollars to Donald Trump, and now he's in a position that he has no choice but to help to. Un- undermine Donald Trump's presidency. I think he just finally threw up his hands and said, fuck this. You know, <laughs> I don't need this shit. I want to go back to being a hotelier. <laughs> right, um, right. And so, you know, that's when he he became a never Trumper in mm-hmm. Trump's eyes, I guess. Why do you think more Republicans aren't seeing the light along those lines? Like Sondland is, is kind of beginning to accept now that he's got to turn against his guy to save his own ass. And it seems strange yeah. to me that there are so many Republicans who don't mind self-immolating on behalf of defending this crazy clown dictator in the White House. It seems it's baffling to me why that's going on. Do you have any particular point of view in terms of why these guys are willing to fall on their swords for a clown like Donald Trump? I th- Well, I... Uh, unlike Sondland, who was never a political person um, and, and really didn't need to be a political person, he just you know saw I, the ambassadorship as maybe something fun to do. Yeah. Um, these other people are, they're deep into the Republican Party, and they, I think they're still following Reagan's edict that thou shalt not speak ill of another Republican. 
Um, and uh, they they don't want to lose the power that they have. And yeah. if they if they you know speak ill against the president, then they've admitted defeat. Right. Right. So that um, I I think that uh, them not wanting to admit defeat is the driving factor. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big, um, that's a big part yeah. of it. Certainly. And I also believe that they're concerned less about Donald Trump himself and more about Donald Trump's red hat army. Do you think is, is it the voters that they're yeah. ultimately worried about? Yeah. The, the red hat army is a big part of it, but I also think it's also people like Hannity yeah. and um, you know, to, to maybe a lesser extent, uh, Rush Limbaugh. Mm. Yeah, it, it used to be Drudge, and <laughs> you know people <laughs> used to be afraid to piss off Drudge. Yeah. Um, but Drudge has kind of fallen by the wayside, and Hannity has taken over. Um, I don't know if you knew this in my resume, but I also worked on Matt Drudge's radio show. Oh my some, God, I've got a, a, yeah. a gazillion questions for you about that. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, he had a, he had a radio show for about two years. Uh, it was a it was a Sunday night radio show. Yeah, and so it really had no ratings, but he had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. But um, that was when he was um, he was pretty much at his at the peak of his powers, and it, people used to be afraid to piss off Matt Drudge because yep. he had so much power. But now that power has gone to Hannity. Hannity drives the Red Hat Army, and nobody wants to piss off Hannity. That's an amazing I think thing. That is- yeah, because I mean, I actually yeah. thought Hannity was on his way out. Like I don't know, this before Trump, but now Hannity's had this resurgence. And meanwhile, what you're saying about Matt Drudge, I think I've looked at Matt Drudge's website, Drudge Report, more often the last two months than I have in the previous <laughs> ten years. <laughs> Mainly because, yeah, it, again, another thing to to blow us all away is that uh, Matt Drudge seems to have turned against Trump to a certain extent. Yeah, he has. He has. Um. Uh... I think that's that's a personal thing for him. Um, Matt, he was fascinating to work with because he saw the showbiz in all of this. Mm-hmm. He yeah. just wanted to stir people up. Mm-hmm. And when he got a hold of that Monica Lewinsky story, that stirred people up. And when he got his radio show, all he wanted to do was stir people up. He didn't care how he did it. He didn't care what side of the aisle it was on. It just happened to be the Monica Lewinsky story against the Clintons. And so people thought that he was a hardcore right-wing guy. He yeah. wasn't. He was a showman. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so uh, he may have lost a little bit of that, and now he may be working his conscience. And so Hannity has taken over. Hannity saw the whole you know, to, to drive through and he's driven through it and has taken the mantle from drudge. I think that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. And in fact, uh, for those of you who are just uh, joining the whole p- political argle bargle here, Andrew Breitbart emerged from Matt Drudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Breitbart worked yep. with Matt Drudge on the Drudge Report and then set out on his own to start yep. the uh, Breitbart. And also <laughs> Andrew Breitbart also helped to launch the Huffington Post at the same time. And in fact, yeah. Uh, the first interaction I ever had with uh, Andrew Breitbart was in the comments on the Huffington Post in like 2005 or something <laughs> like that. But what you were saying about Matt Drudge being a showman, that's exactly why Andrew Breitbart set out on his own, too, to also be a yeah. showman, but to up the ante, I think, a little bit more, to put, 
to put his face more out front of of the showmanship. Yep. I think it may yep. also be. I mean, we may have landed on this, Chris. Here uh, in our discussion, here we may have landed on patient zero for owning the libs. I think the whole concept of owning the libs may have started with Matt Drudge and Andrew Breitbart. And I've you know I've always said with regard to Trump that Donald Trump hasn't had an original thought in his head in his entire life. Everything is borrowed from other, other no. people. And so I think his owning right. the libs came also from the same, for, for, I would say maybe not the same sources, but similar sources. I, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, much like Matt Drudge and Andrew Breitbart, Donald Trump is a showman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think he just enjoys getting a rise out of people as much as Drudge did, as much as Andrew Breitbart did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's taking it, he's taken it to such an extreme um, that he doesn't know how to get out of it. Yeah, right, right. Well, going back to Gordon Sondland here, um, I, I, yep. correct me if I'm wrong, you're you're kind of like me. You're more of a, for lack of a better term, more of a, a national security liberal, someone who supports the concept of, of the United States having a relatively strong national security apparatus. And the thing, yeah. the thing that keeps driving me nuts, uh, Chris, with Donald Trump is the ongoing existence without much accountability for the fact that he continues to use an unsecured cell phone as far as we know. And that apparently this phone call with uh, Gordon Sondland um, was also unsecured. And uh, mm-hmm. that Russia is the owner of all four of the wireless phone companies in Ukraine. So this phone conversation yep. that that uh, David Holmes was privy to, that David Holmes was sitting there, all those aides to uh, Bill Taylor in that restaurant in Kiev, or Kiev as we're now calling it, uh, all overheard <laughs> this, this phone conversation, and it was an unsecured phone conversation. So that's leading me to believe at some point, and I hate to go back to the the trope of the the peepee tape, but maybe there are tapes of this that will eventually slip their way out of the hands of the FSB or whoever's got recordings of this phone call. I wonder if that's going to happen. Do you think? I think so. Uh, Russia. I think Russia has so much on Trump because, well, a Trump has done a lot of business dealings in Russia. You know, not only with you know uh, Trump Towers and and whatnot, but also with the 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 Miss USA or Miss World pageant or whatever he did. Yeah. Um, I think there's so much that they have on Trump that he has to do what they say. Mm-hmm. I think that that is yeah. I, it, whether it's a PP tape or not, there's something damning that they have on him. Oh yeah. And yeah, he absolutely. doesn't want it to come out. Right, right. And yeah. of course, and, this call is probably one of the things. The Sondland call in Kiev on that, uh, I guess it was July 26th. That was, it was a day after Donald Trump's uh, uh, phone call with uh, Zelensky. But then uh, I wonder, too, if the FSB has a recording of this phone conversation. I wonder, and I don't know if you've heard anything along these lines, and I doubt he would tip his hand, but... I wonder if Adam Schiff has approached anyone from NSA. And, and I'm sure from what we know uh, from some of the uh, documents that have been leaked about the NSA that they record all these phone conversations, too. So the American government sure. probably has uh, at least some kind of data on that particular phone call, too, uh, in addition to the Russians, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, Adam Schiff knows what he's doing and he knows what he has. Um and he's a very smart person and he wouldn't, he would definitely check with the NSA before he, you know, before he started any of this, right, he, right. he knows what he's doing. And, um, yeah, the, uh, 
Adam Schiff knows way more than than he's letting on, I think. Well, I want to let you go here in just a few seconds. I want to get back to the testimony, too. But uh, I noticed one thing that was pretty funny. And and you being ensconced in in right-wing world to a certain extent, you probably remember the name Brent Bozell. But uh, of course I do. <laughs> Brent Brozell, who's Dr. Zayas from Planet of the Apes. And <laughs> produced for, for Tom Liddy. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So Brent, yeah. Brent Bozell tweeted this and he is, I will give him credit where credit is due. He has deleted this tweet, thus admitting he fucked up, yep. but he tweeted out, listen to Sondland and you'll understand why America elected Donald Trump president to get rid of people like Sondland. Trump hired Sondland. Oh my God. Ah. I know. Ah. Yeah, blow out your uh, BU meter, but oh my god! Yeah, I know. I think that was the reaction because the ratio was beautiful to behold. Everyone was saying that exact thing in response to Brent Bozo. It was a dumb, dumb thing. But you know what this is? This is the talking point that went out late last week with regard to Marie Yovanovitch. In fact, Donald Trump Jr. was tweeting something like this, too. Oh, we elected Donald Trump to fire people like Marie Yovanovitch, to fire people like uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. If you Google or if you go to a Twitter search and search hire Donald Trump to fire people like so-and-so, you will get gazillions of response. This is a right-wing talking point that went out to everyone. I'd love to know how it originated. Brent Bozell, I mean, he's much smarter than Donald Trump Jr. Yeah. I I, I have to think that it was someone on Brent Bozell's staff that tweeted that out because Brent Bozell is much smarter than that. Well, obviously, he was landing on and, some sort of talking point. Trying to, in addition, yeah. used to speak out against Donald Trump until Donald Trump got into power. Yeah. And now Brent Bozell is cozying up to Donald Trump because he's in power. That, that, oh, God. <laughs> I know. The, the, the Christian right and their hypocrisy just drives me fucking bonkers it is insane yeah and that's the thing i think that's the thing that's been wearing at me that's been uh, elevating my blood pressure and stressing me out more than anything else which is the entire disconnect from logic the entire disconnect from reality and i think to myself you know what i should be prepared for this we should all be prepared for this because we've been observing a, a build-up to this for the last 10 15 years at least so we should be accustomed to it by now but it's it makes it no less easy when you hear people just defying the existence of the reality that we all see right in front of our faces and it is uh, it is easily the most stress inducing aspect of the Trump presidency beyond his behavior beyond his actions just the very disconnect with uh, objective reality it's just it doesn't it, we can't let this continue because there's no way we can continue to have a republic if half of the voting population is linked up to one 100% fiction. Isn't that right? I mean, it's just, it's impossible. Yeah, it's, it, that's exactly right. And yeah. uh, the, 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 the right-wing pundits who, you know, used to speak out against the stuff like what Trump is doing have mm. now hitched their wagons to the stuff that Trump is doing. And it's like nobody can see the hypocrisy except for normal people. Right, right. You know? And it, it, drives, me, it drives me crazy. That, that you know, it's like, can't you see what's going on right in front of your face? So, Chris, uh, l- l- just as we wrap up here, 
what do you think happens next? Yep. What what comes of today's testimony? And obviously, we're going to hear more from uh, people who were privy to that phone call. I think David Holmes is tomorrow. Uh, Fiona Hill is tomorrow. Um, yep. How does this all play out from here? Um, unfortunately, uh, I saw some some poll numbers this morning that said that people aren't being moved by the impeachment hearings. And so my biggest fear is that nothing will happen and that he, yes, he will get impeached by the house and he's not going to get convicted by the Senate Mm -hmm. and nobody's mind is really going to change. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's the Republican strategy in all of this to confuse people, to get people to believe that, well, they've got a point. The Republicans have a point, but the Democrats also have a point. I don't know who's right and wrong. Ah, fuck it. Fuck it all. And so that's where everything begins to disintegrate. People just give up, right? Yeah. And and I think, unfortunately, that's what's going to go on. Um, Mm. I I don't think, you know, he's not going to get convicted, so he's going to stay in office. uh, But I think he will get voted out of office. And that's, that's my biggest hope. All right. Well, I, you know, I got to tell you, my friend, I, I need to have you back on. We got to talk about uh, radio more. We have to talk about uh, weightlifting more. We have to talk about some more pop culture yeah. stuff and politics in general beyond just today's testimony. So I am not going to wait another two years before I invite you back on. This is going to be something like sometime within the love, next. I would love to join you anytime. All I would right. love to join you anytime. This is a lot of fun. And uh, I have immense respect for you always have as a broadcaster um you know because you get the entertainment value of radio as well as how important it is to people's lives and um yeah you you I have immense respect for you. So, well, that's, that's uh, I'm I'm really I, I'm always thrilled to hear that, and of course, the feeling is 100 percent mutual. Thank you so much, my friend, for coming on today. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, right. thanks for having me, Bob. I look forward to the next time. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. This is Jody Hamilton, host of the podcast From the Bunker. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll love my show where every week Sean Barton, David Shockett, and I discuss politics, sports, pop culture, that show on HBO that I don't watch. Find it at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere else you get your podcasts.